Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. A few months back, my good mate Justin Michael asked me to participate in a cold call challenge. It was an interesting challenge. It was just like any other competition around Robin. You were, you were paired up against somebody and you had to make cold calls and the one that made the most appointments or got the best outcome went through to the next round. It was interesting because you know you had to you provide your list beforehand. They popped it into a, into a connect and sell dialer, which is an awesome platform, which essentially was running through the calls and people that answered it would pop them into my, into my headset. And what happened during this challenge was really interesting. I connected over the course of an hour with about eight people and seven hung up on me. That's right, rejected. They didn't even give me the opportunity to put my narrative forward. I got rejected. But hey, that happens. But the person who beat me, he made a couple of appointments, Steve Richard. So I thought, hey, why not get Steve on the show and talk to him about some of his tactics, some of his strategies that have enabled him over a number of years to use the phone as a key way of creating net new opportunities for himself. Now, the key thing, guys, is regardless of the fact that I bombed, does that mean I'm not very good at prospecting? Look, no. The reality is you're going to have days where people answer, you're going to have days where people hang up, and you're going to have days where you'll be able to book net new opportunities and create something out of nothing. That's just part of the process. And now it's the second half of the calendar year. We've only got about five and a half months left. But the reality is if your pipeline's a bit low, now is the time to take action because the activity, the things that you do now, you'll start to see in 60 to 90 days. And so if you want to have an absolute banging last quarter for this year or leading into Christmas, the work has to start now. On the flip side, if your pipe is really active and it's really healthy, continue to mitigate the risk that could occur at the end of the year or the start of next year. Because what we do from a prospecting perspective, it allows us for that 90, 120, you know, 150 days out to make sure that we don't ever have that pipeline fatigue, which I'm sure we've all experienced before. I know I have had a killer month, killer quarter, and then all of a sudden pipeline fatigue kicks in because I didn't do and maintain prospecting. I didn't maintain that rhythm of prospecting to ensure I had enough opportunities coming into the pipeline. But this episode, this is a really cool episode because Steve will share some of the things that he's done on his journey. And he's he's a career sales professional. He spent his life um, working in this environment and working in an environment where, you know, using the phone to generate opportunities was a key part of his role. It's actually a business that he built. So he's going to share things that have worked. He's going to share some interesting things that have worked sort of pre-pandemic and post-pandemic and what he's seen after you know, the world sort of come to a standstill. This episode is brought to you by Vidyard, Vidyard, the online video tool for sales professionals. Vidyard makes it easy for sales teams to turn text-based emails into personal video messages and will help you engage with your prospects and create an incredible buying experience for them, which will ultimately help you reach your pipeline and revenue goals. So do yourself a favor Get to vidyard.com, sign up, and start using video in your sales process. 
So this is a great episode that every sales professional um, will enjoy. Um, there's a lot of incredible content that Steve's going to share to help you be the best you can be. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey there, Luigi. Thank you. No worries, man. Pretty pumped to have you on. Um, obviously, uh, I met you during the cold call challenge and you uh, you beat me. So I thought, you know, have to get you on the podcast and talk all about sort of cold calling and, and top of the funnel prospecting. So thanks for joining us. It was weird too, because I didn't know that. I mean, honestly, I, I didn't even know that we were doing it at the same time. So then later on, someone said, you beat him. And I said, I feel like I beat <laughs> No, I, you know what I mean? It's like a weird thing. You beat a competitor that you've never met. <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was an interesting challenge. I think I haven't used a dialer like a power dialer. Like, is it called a power dialer? What would you call it? It's it's called agent assisted dialing. I actually agent, know a lot about agent assisted dialing. I haven't used one of those for so long. So it was an interesting, you know, as the call just popped in and you had to get going. So, yeah. um, but mate, before we get into that topic of um, the top of the funnel prospecting, we'd love to learn a bit more about you and how you started in the world of selling. Yeah, uh, real quick backstory. Uh, family business is septic tanks. I tried to become an investment <laughs> banker in New York. Couldn't get a job, went 0 for 22. I was like, I got to find a way to pay off my school loans. Uh, I, I ended up going five for five for sales interviews and I worked at a place called Corporate Executive Board and initially I was failing at CEB. I was one of 100 people we now call sales development reps or BDRs. Yep. And I looked at the best people and I said, those have to be my new best friends because all of my natural inclinations didn't work. So then I started shadowing the best people and I literally wrote down what they did because in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I, I don't want to go work in the septic tank business. You know what I mean? I want to pay off my school loans and not work in the septic tank business. So uh, I ended up going to one out of a hundred from being probably 85 out of hundred. I think it was like yeah. 88 at one point. They actually had a leaderboard Luigi at the time, like written by hand, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. And then I fell in love with sales. You know, I came to love it and started an outsourced appointment setting firm from there begat exec vision, which is coaching intelligence, kind of like conversation and coaching intelligence, using recorded calls, using it to help improve reps, performance, help them get better. Yeah, fantastic. What a story. So, so now you work with, with sales professionals to help them elevate that, that, the core conversation through coaching, et cetera. But we'd love to learn a bit more if you just go back a step. You talked about obviously CEB, huge organization um, that, you know, 100 people and you made your way to the top. Um, what did you do differently? 2002, 2003. We're going way back. Wow. Okay. And what did you do differently? Like, what were you doing differently to the others that allowed you to get to that, the top of the, the, the tree? Well, this was, this was the irony. So when, when I started uh, and I was low on the list, I was doing all of my natural inclinations, which yeah. I, honestly, I don't even remember what it was because it wasn't working. Um, and then, and I wasn't getting meetings. And I started sitting next to people and I'd watch them do funny things, strange things. Like they would send a one sentence email. Yeah. And I was like, does that work? Now, this is the interesting thing, Luigi. So a lot of people would shadow the best people. There wasn't anything new about that. Mm -hmm. What was different is I suspended my bias, my personal bias and my judgment. And I said, I just want to learn. And then I want to try. I'm going to test this. And again, it goes back to my desperation level. I, I grew up low middle class and I had 60,000 school loans as it was. I was eating ramen noodles every day, living in a room with another person. When people say roommate after they graduate college, I mean, they're talking about like an apartment with three bedrooms with three people. No, 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 no. We had four guys in a two bedroom apartment, a roommate. Like in the same so, so I, I mean, as it was, I was living like I was in poverty and I paid off my school loans very quickly after school. So some other things that I saw, I saw people making phone calls during times of the day. Now we were trying to get in with CIOs and C-level executives 
in other functional areas, uh, supply chain, procurement, marketing, sales, I had IT. Mm. So I had infrastructure applications, CIO, and chief information security officers, CISOs. So I would, I would watch people making calls at like, you know, the best. Yeah. Like 6.45 a.m. And I'm like, there's, you know, again, in the back of my head, I'm like, there's no way that's going to work. Like, who the hell is there at 6.45 a.m.? They would have a meeting before anybody showed up. So the thing that's different about me than them, when I saw that, I'm like, well, shit, I'm going to do it every single day. Every yeah. day. So that's what I mean. Like when I talk about things you didn't necessarily think would work, worked great. Another thing I saw people doing is they'd call a receptionist. Even though we had a data source, we had a data tool called Hoover's. Mm. before Zoom Info and Sales Intel and Seamless AI and all these others. So we had Hoover's. And Hoover's would show you, here's the CIO. So mm. you just, you look at it and most average people are like, well, you go, there's the CIO. And like, you sort of take it as gospel. I saw the best people would call the switchboard and say, hi, I'm calling to confirm the spelling of a name. And then they would say the name of the CIO, Kathy White. Oh, Kathy's no longer with the company. We pull out headset splitters. And I'd listen to this and I was like, I would never think to do that in yeah. a million years. <clears throat> so then I started doing it. You know what I found out of the, like I had like a patch of about 200, 300 companies of those. I'd say a third of them, the, the CIO had turned over or the senior most person in it had turned over, which means my predecessors who for the most part had been fired. were calling people that weren't even at the company anymore. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, you get, you get the idea. So yeah. Okay. So you, 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 and I, and I implemented all this stuff, for lack of a better word, and I measured it. That was another thing that was different about me. I suspended my, my, ju- my judgment. Most people would shadow and they'd go, I'm not going to do that. Why? Yeah. I don't think it's going to work. Who cares what you think? I mean, I'm, like I had 60,000 school loans and our family business is septic tanks. Okay? <laughs> septic tanks. You know what that is. Okay? So I don't care how I feel about it. Oh, I don't, I don't feel good about doing that. As long as it was legal and ethical, that's very important right? Don't lie and say you're their doctor. I saw people do that stuff. That's nonsense. Don't do that. So as long as it's legal and ethical, do it. Mm. Another one I saw people do is they would call the IT help desk. So if they didn't have a direct line, this is kind of before the big push on the cell phone numbers. There people had mobile numbers, but it wasn't like today. Yeah. So we would call the IT help desk and I, I watched people do it. And they'd say, yeah, hey, I'm trying to get in touch with such and such. And they'd say, are you an employee? No, not an employee. We're a vendor. Can you look up the contact record? Person would look it up and they'd give you the direct line. Mm. If you have a direct line, your probability of getting the CIO on the phone, if you call around the assistant early, late lunch was much higher. Those people were getting more meetings. So I was like, there's so many little things like that, that I literally just started like writing them all down. Yep. And I've got, I've got this sales prospecting academy that we deliver to customers of exec vision if they need it, that is like the definitive, like top of funnel prospecting training. And it's been updated, you know, 800 times because the world changes, you know, constantly yeah. changes. So just going back, so you, you, you found yourself in a position where there was other people running various tactics to get themselves conversations with their, with their target audience. And you applied those, you first removed your kind of, your biases, your own thinking about certain things. You broke that barrier to allow you to kind of expand your thinking, expand your tactics that allowed you to be the sort of the best you could be. Fast forward today, and, right? And then, and then measured. And measured. Big okay. Because if you don't measure, then you're, you're, just, you're just guessing. You're still just, you're yeah. like, oh boy, that seems like it works a lot better. It seems like compared with, I did a hundred and I got 17 meetings. 
Wow. Those are, those are completely different. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, like for example, faxes. That's another thing. It was like, we started studying faxes. Yeah. Even then nobody said 2002, but that was the thing that was cool. Like when some people zig and you zag, it's so different. So we would send, we called it the confidential fax and would have the cover page would just say confidential. And then the second page, I don't know if, the, I don't know if this would work now. I have no idea, but the, behind that would be your email. You just literally print the same exact email you've been sending and you can't get them. And I did a hundred and I got 17 meetings and you're like, like, yeah. why have I not been doing this? But then I did another hundred and I got like one. So I was like, well, yeah. then I'm done with that. And I go to the next thing. Yeah. So let's fast forward, right? It's 2021. A lot, a lot of, a lot, a lot of people say you know, the world's changed, selling has changed, but let's have a look at the tactics that are working today. Because I think what you, what you discussed, right. About removing sort of your barrier, your thought barrier is still relevant today. You know, I, I, I talk to sellers, sales professionals all the time that are trying to get more meetings by phone. And one of the things that stops them is their own objections, is their own objections around calling or sending one word emails, et cetera. So talk to us a little bit about the, some of the tactics that you are seeing working today and what sellers must do in order to cut through and actually get more opportunities or self-generate opportunities for themselves. Let's start with the phone. Glad you brought that one up. Now, let me caveat this big time, Luigi. It depends on what you sell and who you sell to. Yeah. Different personas will be totally different. Let me give you an example. If you're selling something to a mid-level manager in information technology, there's a pretty good chance they're not going to be active on LinkedIn. They, they might have a LinkedIn profile because someone at some point said create a LinkedIn profile, but it's probably even associated with an email address that they don't even check anymore. Because that's very common in the IT world. They just don't LinkedIn, whatever. They don't care. Yeah. But marketers are going to be all over LinkedIn. Yeah. As, as, as an example, you know? Okay. So let's talk about the phone. In, before the pandemic, I'm going to give you real data. And this comes from Voresight, my outsourced appointment setting business. About 25 people on the phone working on behalf of clients doing supplemental outsourced sales appointment settings. So think about them as like supplemental SDRs or BDRs. Yep. They're all headquartered. They're all in Arlington, Virginia in the States. You've got 35 dials to connect before the pandemic. I'm looking at the data in real time here. It, the, you go April 1st to June 30th of 20. So the beginning of the pandemic in 20 weird days, right? Remember that was yeah. weird. Mm. 31 dials to connect. It actually gets better dials to connect go down. So this is like golf. Low score is better. Okay, I want fewer dials to get people on yep. the phone. Okay, now they're calling across all functional areas, HR, supply chain, finance, you name it, everything, legal, whatever. Now we get to September, October, November, December. So Q4, we, we, we see from September 1st to the end of the year, dials to connect, 20 dials to connect. We're starting to see dial to connect rates that are better than they've ever been. <laughs> Ever, even even before two thousand, like two thousand two, and as a general rule of thumb, over the years, it's harder to get people on the phone. Yeah. As a general rule of thumb, every time I connect, I look at our data, I compare it with other appointment setting firms, I compare it with different um, sales technology vendors like the, you know, uh, outreaches, conquerors, dial source, uh, dial sources, conquer, sales loft, connect and sell, connect leader, all of them, front spin. You generally see a theme dial to connect rates get worse over time. In the pandemic, they got a lot better. Why? Well, one, we started calling cell phones. Mm. If you don't have a mobile number, it's not going to get better. So you need to have mobile numbers. There's some ways of getting mobile numbers. We'll get into that later. Two, when you call someone on their mobile phone and they're working from home, at least during that window of time, 
it was like magical because people were answering their phone. Yep. And you have to know what to say when they actually, when you get it. Cause so if someone says, hang on, uh, Luigi, you know, this is my mobile number. Oh geez. I apologize. This is the number I saw for you online. Would you prefer I call you back at another time at another number? And when you back off the person like that, they almost always go, ah, that's okay. I'm just driving anyway. I'm hands-free. <laughs> What's this regard? Yeah. You just, if, as long as you don't sound like a telemarketer, you get treated like a telemarketer. Yeah. So dials, there's an example of one of those ones where people have this preconceived notion and personal bias that they're like, I don't like it when I get calls, unscheduled, unexpected calls on my mobile phone number. So I wouldn't want my prospects to get that as well. That's a bias. That is not, that is not my, my, my little children or my kids are ages five, seven, nine and 11, Luigi. And one of the things they learn in school is fact versus opinion. That mm. statement's an opinion. The statement yep. I just gave you of dial to connect rates is a fact. There's a difference between fact and opinion. Mm. So if you have a good reason to call and you have someone's mobile number and you even better know something about them, which is what we call three by three research, find three points on the company or contact in three minutes of research. You did it to me to start this meeting. You referenced the fact that I did a post on LinkedIn where I was at my daughter's soccer tryouts on Sunday. Yep. And you right off the bat said, how did your daughter's soccer tryouts go? which immediately I paid attention. Mm. You did a great job of that. So as long as you're doing that, the phone is alive and well, if you test and measure it. For, depending on what you sell and who you sell to, sometimes the answer is, no, it's not, because they'll never answer. It doesn't matter yeah. what you do. You can test everything in the world. They're never going to answer their phone. Different caller ID strategy, different call windows, all of it, they don't answer the phone. Well, if that's the case, you got to go to someone else. Mm. You, know, you got to go to LinkedIn, email, Send a carrier pigeon. I mean, yeah. so I think a lot of people get obsessed. People are really into video messages now. Like that's another great one. Like I have no, I've seen zero evidence. I've asked BombBomb. I've asked Vidyard. I've asked Loom. I've seen zero evidence that if you send a cold video message that it performs better than a cold yeah. email with the same content. So separate mm-hmm. the content from the delivery. The medium of delivery, LinkedIn, video, uh, you know, uh, 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 asynchronous video message, a phone call, an SMS text, uh, all those things, Instagram, you know, the regular email, Mm. the the mail. How about that one? The mail, you know, those are all medium of delivering the message. I'm getting business mail um, now because um, obviously people are at home, right? But just to go back a second, um, I've tried all of it, right? I'd use video in my prospecting. It's never my first message, but you're absolutely right. I think one of the things that get missed a lot is the focused on channel versus focused on message, right? Is we go, let's focus on which channel to use. But if the message is poor, no matter what channel you use, it's never going to penetrate, right? Um, I'm a firm believer. I lead by phone. And I do measure my, I, I use uh, my CRM, you, I measure. You sell, you sell the sales leaders, right? Yeah, I love selling the sales. Because when, the, the minute they ask me how do they get their mobile number, I use it to say, well, this is why we need to be talking, right? Because <laughs> if, you're, if your team's not using cell numbers, then how are they prospecting? Because right now. <laughs> and, and Luigi, so, but, this, but you bring up such a great point because, because the reality is I also sell the sales leaders. And <laughs> guess what we see on our side? We have done email cadences and sequences up to the, to the cows came home with personalization built in and everything else. And we barely get any appointments. You know how we yeah. get meetings? Picking up the damn phone oh. because we sell to sales leaders. Yeah. Cause that's what I did with this guy last week. I got this in the mail. I called this guy at five forty on a Friday 
they're a unicorn company in Australia. And it's, it's talking to my business about, hey, do business with us. So I rang him. I said, I've got some ideas on how you can generate more customers without sending mail. And he's like, bang, let's get it some time in the calendar. I've got a meeting with him tomorrow. So, and, and the reality is I love the phone, right? Because for me, it allows me to handle any sort of objection. It allows me to handle any stall in real time and put a point of view across. And if my research and my buyer persona is clear, and I really, I have a bit of a hypothesis on what's happening in their world and the outcome they're trying to achieve, then that point of view is one of, if I get that point of, point of view across and it, it piques their interest, there's a likelihood we're going to progress the conversation, right? And I think, I think still today, that's what I loved about, you know, there's so many things I didn't like about the pandemic. One of the things that I did love about the pandemic is the fact that I've found the same. The contact, my contact ratio has improved. I'm actually getting, it's easier to get people on the phone today than ever before. I reckon on Friday, because I had a really strong, um, I dialed a lot on Friday, I was probably penetrating 50 to 60% of people picking up the phone. It was amazing, right? It was actually amazing. I had an incredible day of calling in my call block. Um, and again, it was led by phone. Yes, I'm using email and LinkedIn. And now I've had to drop a few video messages in to the cadence, but it's not what I'm leading with, right? Um, so I just want to talk about this because I think this is a really interesting topic, right? Tactics versus strategy when it comes to prospecting. Tell us what, in your opinion, what's the difference? So having a strategy behind the theme of the, the cadence or the sequence or the contact plan, pick the, it's all the same thing. Yeah. That's going to be a strategy. And I'm going to give you an example here in a minute. And then a tactic is the tactical, you know, in the weeds execution of that particular idea. Okay. So let me, let me give you a, I'm going to give you a real one. Remember I, I gave you before about the dial to connect rates at the different times. Yeah. Okay. And, and that, that one should be quite obvious. The strategy, the prospecting strategy there is we know that, that picking up the phone results in, you know, getting more people on the phone. The tactic to get there is thinking about your caller ID and the way it looks to mm. the prospect, thinking about the, the time of the day that you call, because for, here, here's another good one. You already said at 5.40 PM, great. Lunch. Lunch we're seeing in the pandemic. Before the pandemic, dial to connect rates at lunch were not good. You should not call it. If you were in 2019, 2018, calling at lunch, not a great idea. Unless you're calling very senior executives that take lunch at their desk and they had executive assistance. But other than that, not a great idea. Now, lunch is great. Nobody eats with their colleagues anymore. They eat by themselves. Yep. So noon to one of their time zone. Give me another one. Strategy. So this is a, listen to this one, Luigi. We'll get a kick out of this. Uh, I know this company that sells to fintech leaders, fintech leaders, and they sell PR, public relations, media placements, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they had a strategy. The strategy that they had is, you know what, if we give away, a, if we're very careful and selective, if we give away some free PR, mm. we could probably hook them, almost use it like a trial. And who doesn't want free media placements, mm. right? Like, duh. That's the strategy. Here's the tactic. Tactically, how is it executed? All right. And by the way, I'm going to give you the data in advance so that everyone pays attention. If they send a hundred connection, they're doing it on LinkedIn. It's all automated. They automate it using a tool called Cleverly. Yep. Which I had never heard of that one, but there's one called Connected as well with a K, K-E-N-N-E-C-T-E or Cleverly. I, I haven't used either, but 
And, and what it is, is like sequence software, cadence software for LinkedIn, all automated. Okay. Now they automated this 29% accepted connections and 11% appointments, which means wow. if you, yeah, yeah. Because in my mind, I benchmark everything against the Chet Holmes research. Chet Holmes research says at any given time in any given market, 3% of your market is actively buying, but 40% yeah. is susceptible to looking. 40% is poised to begin looking. They're susceptible to looking in the future, maybe the next three or six months, but they're not actively buying today. What does that yeah. mean? Well, here's what it means. If you're an average, you know, Jamoke prospector that just smiles and dials and has no reason for calling, like you said, no hypothesis. I love when you said that word. You know what you're going to get? 3%. Because the three, 3% three of the markets, actually, it turns out you get two, not three. Even people who are actively buying won't even take your call just because they object to the experience of being cold called. Okay. Yeah. Even though they're actively buying what you're selling, they say, nope, not interested. Okay. 40% are susceptible to looking. So for me, my, my, I'm thinking of this from a data perspective. My benchmark is if, how much of the 40% are you able to get? Using the calling strategy that you described before, you're going to get a good chunk of that 40% will take a meeting. Yeah, absolutely. Using this approach, what the guy did was, here's the first connection email, ready? Hi, name. I'm looking to connect with fintech leaders who want to be featured in a few media outlets and came across your profile. It would be great to connect with you. So he sends that mm. message. It feels personal, but, and it's, it's like, it's teasing the offer yep. or the offer in a minute, which I think is a very important thing that people are starting to pay attention to. 29% of people accept. Mm. Next. Great to connect, Luigi. I'm looking for FinTech Pro for a few upcoming stories. Do any of these spark interest? What is FinTech? And that's bank rate, like the bank rate is the publication. Who's what is responsible AI? That's in Forbes. The best PFM tools, the FinTech Times. So basically his, after the prospect connects on LinkedIn, these are founders of FinTech companies, which founders of FinTech companies hang out on LinkedIn. Yeah. See what I mean? Mid-level IT people, you know, <laughs> Sysadmins don't hang out on LinkedIn. FinTech people do. So now all of a sudden they're like, sure, I'd, I'd love to be featured in bank rate. I mean, who the hell wouldn't, yeah. right? If, if you're in that industry, I mean, you and I don't care, but they care. And then the third message is, if you'd be interested in being featured in an upcoming story, feel free to use my link. And they put a like Calendly kind of thing. Yep. You know, Chili Piper, Calendly, mm. Schedule Once, I use Schedule Once, whatever. And then finally, fourth message is the breakup, curious, if landing press is a priority for you. So mm -hmm. I know that was a long answer, but here's why. All of that is tactical yep. within the strategy of we are going to engage FinTech leaders on LinkedIn using a compelling offer, which mm -hmm. is kind of like putting really good juicy bait on the end of the hook that the fish can't resist. Yep. Yeah, and that's, and that's how they get 11% appointments. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what, if you look at it, what is that over a, let's do the math. So 100 times 29 connection percent times 11%. So they're getting, you know, just over three meetings per hundred. Oh, no, 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 no. I did. I, I gave you the numbers the kind of the wrong way. What I mean by that is if they do a hundred, they get 29 accepted connections and then they get 11 appointments. It's even okay. better. Yep. So, so almost, so once the person accepts the connection request. Oh, wow. Now, yeah. No kidding. Right. So once they accept <laughs> the connection request, we're talking about, you know, about a third of them, a little more than a third, then take the bait and, and then take the meeting. And all of that's automated. So here, here we go to kind of strategy versus tactic. A lot of people would say, oh, oh, you mean those are LinkedIn in-mails? Nope, no, 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 not in-mail. 
Those were, you connect with the prospect first on LinkedIn, then you directly message them for free because we've tested in-mail yeah. and a lot of our customers have. And what they find is in-mail is dead. I'm calling it RIP in-mail, except for some fringe edge cases, like last attempts doesn't work. Yeah, I, I find in-mail is a very, I haven't had a lot of success of late with in-mail. I find connection request is key. Um, and then the first message um, and I try not to connect and pitch either. I think that's another one that I'm finding. It's just like if, you, if you're calling and you're pitching and you're usually talking about yourself, and I think this is the other key thing of what you've said, the message that I'm hearing in that particular, in that strategy or those tactics uh, when they're reaching out, it's about piquing their interest about something that they want to see especially if they're a fintech co-founder, they're looking for more PR, they're looking for more um, press about them. It's not necessarily talking about the exact services that they offer. It's about an opportunity that will create a, a conversation. And I think, again, it goes back to, if I look at the days when I was calling like yourself, you know, 2000 and 2001, setting appointments, there wasn't much difference as what we do today, right? Because the premise back then was, I'm not actually making a transactional sale. I'm just trying to get them to the next stage of the conversation. <laughs> and if I was to so talk you're, about- you're selling, you're selling the meeting or in, in the, the example I gave you, that they're really selling the offer. They're selling the, the free press, yep. the free PR. Correct. And that's compelling them to take action. So tell us, right, if you're a sales professional listening to this, you've come out the back of the pandemic- you know, results might not have been where you expected them to, to be. Um, what are some things that they can do to sort of break down the barrier that might be stopping them from generating more appointments for themselves and creating more pipeline? Themselves. Because it's the most creative, the top of the funnel is the most creative place in the world. Mm. There's so much creativity involved. There's so much creativity around the message. Like we were talking about before, divide the message from the medium and how it's delivered. Yep. There's so many different technologies and ways of delivering the message these days. We've talked about several of them, anything from, you know, uh, SMS text, uh, using video, asynchronous video messages, all those things, email, cadence, et cetera. And then, and calling, and then yep. there's the message itself. And then you got to experiment with something, but when you experiment, you can't do the law of small numbers, you know, the law of small numbers. Mm -hmm. Like I see people where they'll do it four times. Yeah. And then they go, oh, it didn't work. And I'm like, so, so are you telling me that when Pfizer was running out the vaccines, they, they basically did it on four people and said, oh, it doesn't work. I guess we have to go back to the lab and make another one. I mean, come on, don't be stupid. Like it's the, it's, it's, it, the N equals has to be greater than 100 or something that's at least got yep. some meaningful data behind it. Mm. And then after that, if something's working, do more of the thing that's working. And if something that's not working, do less of that. It's exactly what you did for you growing your business. Yep. But, but Luigi, I think the biggest thing is, is the self-limiting beliefs and the personal biases that people have where they say, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think that's going to work. I don't feel like it's going to work. So therefore I'm not going to try. Mm. I'm, not, I'm just never going to try. So I have no sympathy for people who just don't try. Yeah. I have a ton of sympathy for people who try like 10 different things and then, then they measure it and then none of them worked. I'm like, Oh shit, man. Yeah. And you know, one, one thing I want to bring up, I was coaching a team of SDRs yesterday, right? And this is one of the things that I find really interesting. You know, they, Companies are throwing SDRs at the front line. They give them a bit of training, a bit of Sandler training, you know, upfront contract and all that sort of stuff and say, here you go. Now it's time to call kind of C-levels or directors depending on who they're calling. What I find really interesting 
I find, and I'm not that old, but as I started in the world of selling, I had a lot of, you know, training and there was a lot of content around building rapport, around intonation, around the tone, the pitch, the speed, et cetera. And I think, I don't know if it's just me, but I've noticed that some of these fundamentals are actually missing from the induction process that a lot of sales pros or sales professionals go through. Is that a focus that you, like when you're coaching, do you look at tone, inflection, pitch, speed, et cetera, or is it purely just message and tactics? No, it's absolutely, that's the art side. Yeah. You've got the science and you've got the art. So for mm. example, science, we know if you use pre-call research, your probability of getting the meeting is going to be yeah. higher. How much higher? It could be 30% higher. It could be 300% higher. Uh, when I did an A-B test on it, it was uh, over email. It was 568% more likely to get a meeting just by referencing a second degree connection. If you <laughs> reference a common connection in the subject line of the message, yeah. an A-B test. I can, I'll put it so you can put it with the show notes for the link. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So, so that's the science. But then there's art which is how do you handle difficult people? How, how, do you, how do you change your tone and inflection? How do you slow down and calm someone down that's frantic? All those kinds of things. How do you ask a key question at the right moment that gets them to take you off speakerphone and actually pick up the phone and talk mm. to you? There's a lot. That's art. And that's actually ties really back, like, ties back well to exec vision and our software. So when, when I used to do the sales training company, I, I built the sales training company. We built over, we, we trained over 200 businesses, mostly SDRs, BDRs, but also sales professionals, specifically on the top of the funnel, how do you get appointments? Yeah. Worked with a lot of companies. Okay. And then over time, I saw about a third of them, it really stuck and they got good. And about two thirds, they didn't. Mm. And that was the origins of exec vision because I said, what are these people doing differently when it's working? And the answer was they were, they were really good at coaching using call recording. So they were recording yep. calls they were doing it in a legal and compliant way, by the way, if you're concerned about that, let me know. I have a lot of insight on this. I've talked to a lot of general counsel about this. I'm not a lawyer myself, but I know what the industry is doing. And, and to your point, that's where you get the intonation. That's when you get the inflection in the voice. That's when you get the slowing up, speeding down, all that kind of stuff. Don't talk like this up here because you sound like you're nervous. But when you hear a lot of call recordings, reps sound like this because they're nervous. Yeah. You know, talk more from the lower in the register from your chest. All that stuff is why exec vision with conversation and coaching intelligence, why we're doing what we're doing is to help yeah. people with that. Yeah. I love this because I do a lot of core calibration sessions and it's funny, um, you know, especially now like people using chorus and gong and all that you can, it's got the call analytics, um, but there's nothing like a review of a call to say, Hey, let's have a listen to this. How, how is a prospect sounding and how are you sounding? Are you talking to language of leaders? Or, That's you, right. or you're being delegated because they're delegating you to the person that you sound like, right? You're not actually and, elevating. You know, and that I'll tell you what, the, like you're saying, you know, we're in the same category with chorus and gong. So it's chorus, gong, and exec vision. Most yeah. people haven't heard exec vision as much as chorus. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what, the big thing that we're hearing is a lot of people, they, they both went down the revenue intelligence path. So I yeah. Googled today conversation intelligence, and neither chorus nor, nor gong show up anymore because they're doing revenue intelligence, really analytics from your scheduled online meetings. Yeah. Our customers are the kinds of companies that are like, we need to get consistency in how our reps do their calls. We need to focus yep. a lot more on coaching and rep behavior change and driving consistency in coaching and measuring it and knowing that it's happening and then seeing the improvements. And the improvements are dramatic. We're talking 20, 30% improvements in revenue 
in most cases, which yeah. is shocking. Onboarding people on half the time of what it took before. Yeah. If you actually have a focus on coaching, but again, most people don't because coaching's hard. They always say mm. coaching takes too much time. So I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, if you have a team and if you're not currently recording their calls, we can help you do it in a compliant manner, or you can figure out how to do it yourself. It will be eye-opening to you. Yeah. Get the reps involved in their own development. Flip the coaching paradigm on its head. Get the reps to start having self-awareness. Listen to their own calls. Have them score it. Just like you're saying, calibrate with them. Then you score it later on. You can do it with pen and paper. You can do it with Google Forms. Mm. Most people find after a while, they start to lose their mind because it's hard. It's clunky. And then they buy a technology like an exec vision where we can yeah. do score calibration side by side or even provide, provide coaching as a service where we have our own service team that can do the work for you, the initial work for you. But, but to your point, the art, mm. there is no AI that's going to train your team. I'm that part of it. Forget it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, right? Because I think, and I've taken a lot out of this conversation. And just to summarize, you know, the key thing is get your strategy right, understand your buyer persona first and what's important to them and really get the message before you decide to distribute it across the different channels. Because if the message is wrong, even if you saturate every channel, you're just not going to get engagement. And then looking at, you know, the data and make sure you're really testing and testing with a good size of data, not just a small sample. And then obviously, you know, take the opportunity to really refine the art of sales and find ways to improve to be the best you can be. So I've really I've taken a number of things away from this, Steve. So mate, before we wrap up, where can our listeners find more about you and engage with you? And we'll put that in the show notes. Easiest thing is on LinkedIn. Uh, so connect with me on LinkedIn. I do a tip of the day. Actually, I have to do my tip today. <laughs> I put out, I mean, I put out between a, a 30 second and minute and a half video almost every day. And if it's not a video, it'll be on, in text format or sometimes yep. I'll put slides, but it's all free. Totally free. So I'm going to, I'll put that here for the show notes. That's, that's the best. Cause I really might like, I'll tell you what, Luigi, I think you and I are the same way. Although I think I'm a bit older than you. Like sales has been really, really good to me. You know, yep. I, I'm, I'm making lawyer money and I'm not working as hard. Um, yeah. And, and, and I've got four kids and I get to be a good dad to them and I don't have to kill myself. So yeah. if someone like me doesn't give back to sales. Shame. You know what I mean? Like shame. Mm. So, so I put those tips today out there and yeah, sure. Do I get marketing leads? Absolutely. Is that the reason I'm doing it now? I'm not getting, mm. honestly, I'm not getting enough marketing leads from it to make it worth my while. I'm doing it because I'm giving back. Yeah. Love your content. Obviously your message on the weekend really resonated because I'm a soccer fan as well. So it kind of really connected with me. Um, but I want to say thanks for beating me at the challenge because uh, if you hadn't beat me at the challenge, I wouldn't have gone and done all my research on you and, and looked, you know, looked more into you, mate. So appreciate you. Um, I just want to say thanks for the contribution you make to our community because, you know, people like yourself are helping elevate our profession. Um, it's in my opinion, it's the best profession in the world. And you're right. Sales has opened some doors for me that I would never have had open for me. So just want to say thanks again, mate. We'll put the put your uh, details in the show notes, But and thanks for coming on the Sales IQ podcast. Luigi, thank you so much. <laughs>